Which NFC running back, which NFC West running back is looking like a surefire handcuff in 2019? Which hyped rookie running back is losing some of his redraft steam? And we celebrate the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour's 400th episode tonight. Plus, Brian Petrunik, a former FFPC main event league champ and 2019 Pros versus Joe's drafter, sits in the co-host chair for Dave Gerzak tonight as we discuss Antonio Brown, Derrick Henry, Dante Moncrief, and more. We've got a great 400th show for you. Brian Petrunik is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Hold your hands, everybody. If you got what it takes. KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. With the master Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Happy 400th to you, my friend. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Gerzakanatics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com for the 400th time. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. He is off this week, but sitting in for him tonight is a player who, along with his son, uh, started with the WCOF back in the day, and after that, they uh, switched over to make the FFPC Hello? their high-stakes home. If you draft live at Planet Hollywood, you have actually uh, seen them draft in the Super Bracket Thursday afternoon, the Bare Knuckle Challenge Thursday night, the main event on Friday morning, and the 1250 Best Ball Friday afternoon. They've won their main event league two out of the last three years, and they will be drafting in the 2019 FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge at the end of next month. Please welcome into the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour my co-host for this evening, Brian Petrunik. Brian, welcome to the show, dude. Hello, how are you? We're doing good. We're Hello. doing excellent. We're excited to have you on. Yes, Brian, we, we can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, just fine. Oh, Excellent. Good to hear, buddy. Thanks uh, so much for uh, co-hosting tonight. I certainly appreciate uh, you coming on and hanging out with us tonight uh, on the show. An update to our James Conner report from last week. What's the proper way to handle the Browns running backs in draft and much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there for me or for Brian. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Facebook.com slash Hour is where you can get a hold of us. And if you want to chime in and give us a call, it's 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. If you have any questions, now is indeed the last time to send them as our producer and mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer Bryce get those questions 
to us for the fantasy feedback segment coming up at the end of the show. Only nine days left for the early bird going on for the Football Guys Players Championship. Remember, if you sign up for a Football Guys Players Championship draft before June 30th and draft it before July 15th, you're going to get a free FFPC $35 team credit. You can use that league in a best ball, in a classic, whatever you want to do uh, with, with that at a $35 entry level. Uh, that is uh, expiring in nine days, so make sure you're taking advantage of that. Dynasty Startups forming at myffpc.com. I know we got some close to filling that are going off tomorrow, and we do have some more coming up at the end of uh, next week as well. Best Ball Superflex. Double-ups always available at myffpc.com. Um, so, Brian, we want to welcome you into the show. When you are not enjoying fantasy football, can you tell us what you're doing to, to spend your time? Well, Eric, I'm retired. I have been for 23 years. Uh, about 15 years ago, my wife bought a little farmhouse. On, uh, taken for 20 years, remodeled it, and we go there every year for three months. By the way, the, the little farmhouse is in a tiny village in Bavaria, so we go to Germany every year for three months and just hang out there, walk in the forest, which, by the way, is my backyard, and we just have a great time doing that. When I'm uh, back in the States, gardening, under my wife's supervision, of course, and then there's uh, <laughs> my grandchildren, and they're the pride and joy of my life. Well, it's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that uh, you're getting some time to, to relax and enjoy and uh, taking, making fantasy football a part of that. For, for you and your son, uh, David, they, you've made an appearance in, in our friend Joe Bryant's Random Shots article that I'm sure many of our listeners have read and seen. And I know those who have played live have noticed you guys in your Rams jerseys. Can you tell us why you chose the, specifically the players' jerseys uh, that you did from the Rams that you wear? Well, Eric, I'm old school. I want guys that have been uh, that have been retired or in the Hall of Fame or wherever uh, for a long time. I go for Eddie Metter, the fearsome foursome, Jack Youngblood, guys like that. My son, he wants any Ram from any time, and we both obviously also have Kurt Warner because. He's going to play great football, and he's going to win us a Super Bowl, and he did. And then uh, last year, we decided to have fun with the jerseys, and we both uh, decided, well, let's take a Ram kicker. I went with Johnny Hecker, and he went with uh, the place kicker, Greg Zerline, and we wanted to make a statement, and that statement was, we're here to kick ass. Only throwbacks for us. <laughs> And no, you know, like we like blue and gold. You like that? That's good. Uh, <laughs> we thought it was funny. Uh, we go for the blue and gold, the throwbacks, the white and the blue. And like most Ram fans today, we're not really enamored with the current color schemes. Yeah, so I, I, I think throwbacks. Uh, the throwback jerseys, Brian, always hold a place in my heart, regardless of, you know, um, the team. I, I always think they're cool. I always like seeing uh, the, the, the ones in the past, and I always enjoy you and your son wearing those Rams jerseys, those Rams throwbacks uh, to, to Vegas every year. And one of the other things that you do when you go to Planet Hollywood, a tradition you guys have started, is participating in the Bare Knuckle Challenge right after the opening game viewing party. 
How, how do you and your son prepare for that? What, what's it like drafting in that format with, with nothing in front of you on the table? Well, let me tell you, uh, let me answer your second question first. What's it like is terrifying. For the first time, I embarrassed us. I totally forgot what our strategy was. I was supposed to draft Matt Forte, who I thought was going to be a stud that year, and he was. And my son, the last thing he said before I sat down at the table was, don't draft Trent Richardson. Well, of course, I didn't hear the don't. And when uh, I was called, I have 30 seconds to make a choice, and I made the wrong one. And I chose Trent Richardson. And from there, it was downhill all the way. Uh, Richardson was bad. Forte was the stud that I thought he was going to be. And we ended up with probably the worst bare knuckles draft ever. I took two quarterbacks in the fourth and fifth rounds because I couldn't think of a name. Uh, the guy next to me, uh, you probably know, is was Ira Berman. He's the Esquire, and he was just rattling off name after name, and every time it was my turn to pick, I was so nervous, I was so intimidated, and I was so terrified, I had a hard time just coming up with any name. I should tell you, I was totally prepared beforehand, but when they said, you're on the clock, I fell apart. I have not gone first uh, in the bare knuckle since. My son won't let me go first. He goes first, and he <laughs> leaves the, uh, the, bottom of the uh, bottom of the list for me. But now let's get to the how do we prepare? Because that really is, I think, the essence of fantasy football, and especially of something like uh, the bare knuckles. There's, there's going to be 272 players drafted. Now, that's not counting defenses and kickers. 272. Well, that's a couple of quarterbacks on each team. That's three or four running backs, four or five wide receivers, a couple of tight ends. And you've got to know them all. And then you've got to factor in their bye weeks. And then while you're doing that, you have to start prioritizing. How do you want to pick them? Who do you want first? Who do you want second? If these guys have gone, then so you got to do all of that. And then when you're uh, you're ready and you're uh, we we test each other over the phone. We try to figure out what we're doing. Bottom line, it's not really complicated. But it is terrifying when you're when you're on the clock, and I'll tell you, of the four FFPC drafts that we do, of the three local drafts that we do, the one that is the best is the Bare Knuckles Challenge. It is it gives the most reward on draft night, and. When you get something right, you just feel uh, just you just feel good inside. And when you don't do well, you still feel good that you were able to participate, 
in what is probably the toughest uh, draft that anybody holds. Talking with Brian Petrunik, the uh, pro, geez, me, drafting and pros versus Joe's coming up at the end of next month, former FFPC main event league champion. You know, as long as we've been touching on the Rams tonight, let's, let's analyze this backfield and, and get your feelings on it because it certainly is a polarizing discussion. What's your read on, on, on Todd Gurley and, and Daryl Henderson uh, for the Rams? How should high-stakes players be handling those two players in their drafts right now? Now you're asking me to give advice to – people that I'm going to be competing against? You want me to reveal secrets about Val? Okay, I'll do it. Listen, (laughs) Eric, Todd Gurley is the best running back in fantasy football, if he's healthy. He's been going in the uh, mid-second to the end of the second round in most of the drafts I've I've seen. Fear is what's caused that drop, and it's justified. I mean, his knee is a question, and it's a serious one. But if his knee turns out okay, somebody at the end of the second round is going to have the steal of the draft. If his knee is not okay, and if he's dialed back as much as he was in the playoffs last year, then you've just blown the season on a, uh, by wasting a high pick for Todd Gurley. I, my feeling is that he's worth the gamble. If you take him and he works, your team is super. If you don't take him and you take somebody else, that, there's no guarantee that your team is going to be as good. So... To me, it's worth the gamble. Of the two that you Todd asked Gurley. about, Todd Gurley. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Of the two, the other one, Daryl Henderson, he's the one that concerns me the most. And that's because he may be a highly regarded rookie, but last year the Rams drafted a Daryl Henderson. His name was John Kelly. He was supposed to be the number two running back. But when it was time for Sean McVay to call somebody else's number, it was Malcolm Brown. When Malcolm Brown got hurt, the Rams went out and picked up C.J. Anderson. They didn't use John Kelly. Um, I'm wondering, will... Daryl Henderson be able to pick up blocking schemes, to pick up the sophisticated offense that Sean McVay runs. And if he's not, he's going to be sitting on the bench watching and learning and getting ready for next year. So my advice to anybody who cares to listen would be watch what the Rams do with Brown, Malcolm Brown, John Kelly, and Daryl Henderson in the preseason, and then make up your mind who's going to be the handcuff there. Yeah, it, Gurley going at the 205 right now, as, as you alluded to, Brian, he's fallen all the way to the 308 in, in, in drafts uh, over the last two weeks in FFPC best ball. Daryl Henderson, is, you know, he keeps creeping up. Now he's going at the 601. He's gone as high as the 402. 
Uh, so certainly it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, people are getting their guys, and, and that's clear when you look at Gurley and Henderson uh, is what it's coming down to. I want to move on past the running backs and talk receivers here with you, Brian. Antonio Brown is not going to have Ben Roethlisberger throwing to him this year. He's going to be catching balls from Derek Carr out in Oakland. FFPC drafters have indeed knocked Antonio Brown's ADP all the way down to the 209. Does that seem right to you, the, the end of the second round for Antonio Brown, or would you be picking him somewhere else if you were drafting right now? If I was drafting right now, the first thing I would tell myself, Antonio Brown is that guy. He's always been that guy. Nothing's changed. He's still that guy. He runs a short route, he's open. He runs a deep route, he's open. You throw him the ball when he's covered, he catches it. After he catches the ball, he's elusive. He's one of those guys. At the end of the second round, that's crazy in my opinion. Uh, Now, to say that it's a uh, downgrade going from Big Ben to Derek Carr, I disagree. Derek Carr a couple of years ago was uh, in the running for league MVP until he got hurt. I think that Derek Carr is the right guy for Antonio Brown. He can throw the ball. He can throw it accurately. And the the real question in my mind, and the only reason I would hesitate on A.B., is what uh, what is the coaching staff going to do? Tomlin's staff designed a scheme that emphasized Antonio Brown. Will John Gruden's staff do the same thing? John Gruden has never had an Antonio Brown to coach. He's never had uh, the opportunity to, to see what it's like to feature somebody like Antonio Brown. I think that he's going to uh, find out and he's going to do it. And as far as I'm concerned, I think Antonio Brown is dropped way too far. If he's available at the end of the second round and I'm picking there, I'm taking him, and I'm going to feel that I found a diamond in the rough. Yeah, and uh, shout-out to uh, Stone Cold Beast, who's in the chat room right now. Uh, he's actually uh, got in the middle of, uh, of uh, some best ball action tonight, a couple of them that he's doing, and he just got Antonio Brown at the 301, which is really good value, uh, even if uh, you're looking at the current ADP for, for AB right now. So good job, uh, Stone Cold Beast, on that. I'm sure uh, Brian would tell you that, and, uh, and I think that you make a good point. I mean, we, we oftentimes look at what has occurred and, and maybe you, Antonio Brown has already hit his ceiling. Different offense, different coaching staff, maybe he hasn't hit it yet. Maybe he's going to have a big-time season out in Oakland, and I'm, I certainly think that there's a lot of smart people out there, Brian included, that believes that too. So we'll uh, have to see uh, what happens there. Let's move on to the tight end here, Brian. Uh, there's obviously a big three this year, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle. Do you have a favorite tight end at four after those three are, are off the board that – that you would pick uh, after that, or is there maybe a sleeper tight end that you're targeting? Who is, uh, who's your favorite tight end after the big three are gone? I don't have a favorite. I have six favorites. And the problem is 
all six of them uh, are saddled with positives and negatives. You've got somebody like Hunter Henry. He's in a good situation. He's got a great quarterback. He's got more targets available now that uh, Terrell Williams is gone. And there's also the possibility Antonio Gates may get up in the morning and realize he's old and can't uh, go into the end zone anymore. So Hunter Henry's in a good position. The problem with Hunter Henry, though, is he does have an injury history. He's coming off of a major injury. And does that mean the Chargers break him in slowly? which means that's not going to help your fantasy football team. Uh, and even if they let him play full-time at the beginning, you have to consider that at best he's the fourth or fifth target that uh, Philip Rivers is going to look at. He's got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Melvin Gordon out of the backfield, and then Hunter Henry. Is there, are there enough targets when you look at it that way? To me, he's a good gamble, but he's one of six guys that are in, the, in a very similar situation. Another one is, for example, Evan Ingram. OBJ left lots of targets on the table, lots of them. He could get a lot of those, but... The problem with uh, Evan Ingram is we don't know who his quarterback's going to be. Will it be Eli? And if it is, will it be for the whole season? Could it be Daniel Jones, a rookie? I mean, you took him in the uh, first round. You got to. <laughs> you may want to find out what's going on with him uh, because Eli is getting old. Um, there are similar questions about all six of these guys. If you, if you made me make a choice right now, I would flip a coin and I'd say Hunter Henry or Vance McDonald of the Steelers. Next week, if you asked me, I'd flip a coin and I'd say, is it Evan Ingram or Jared Cook? All of these guys have a lot of possibilities. Uh, um, Howard in Tampa Bay, another one. Uh, there are guys that are just too hard to separate and say, okay, he's four, he's five, he's six. You could do that in the past, but now you've got your three guys and then you've got six guys. And of those six, there's going to be at the end of the season two or three that are going to be looking really good. And if you pick the right one of those two or three, great. If you picked one of the other two or three, not so good. Talking with Brian Petrunik, uh, this week's guest on the 400th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Drafting in Pros versus Joes, coming up at the end of July. Also a former FFPC Main Event League champion. We just talked about Hunter Henry. Let's talk about a different Henry at a different position, and that is Derek. He crushed it over the last six weeks of the 2018 season. Did he do enough for you to invest in, in him early this year, knowing that he's never really been a good pass catcher uh, for the Titans, Brian? And before you answer that, I'll tell you right now, uh, the FFPC drafters over the last two weeks in uh, best ball leagues have been taking him at the 309 on average. He's gone as high as the 302. Does that seem right, mid to late third round for you? No, absolutely not. 
Look at uh, look at Derrick Henry. First 13 weeks last year, he averaged eight points a game. Eight. That might be okay for a bi-week fill-in, or if you're really struggling at running back, that may be okay. That's not a, one of your top two running backs. In the uh, 14th week, he had a monster game. That's the, that was the first week of the FFPC playoffs, by the way. And now you've had this guy for 13 weeks. He's averaged eight points a week. You're now uh, in the playoffs. Are you going to start Derrick Henry in week 14, or did you? I know a lot of guys that uh, started uh, somebody like, say, uh, Spencer Ware instead of Derrick Henry because Spencer Ware had a higher upside, theoretically. Um, The other point about him is that he did have the big week, uh, 47 points uh, in week 14 and 30 in week 15. And, uh, but week 16, he had 16 points. Uh, it's okay. Week 17, 11. Uh, it's getting uh, starting to go back down. I'm not real confident in him. And you brought up uh, one of the major reasons. He is not a PPR player. He's, last year, I think he caught something like 15 balls for 99 yards. That's for the season. That's a catch a game. Deion Lewis, his stablemate, had 59 receptions for 400 yards. Deion Lewis is still there. Deion Lewis can still catch balls out of the backfield. To me, the Titans will try to pound the, pound the ball with Derrick Henry, but they're not going to be able to do that for 60 minutes a game most of the time. By the way, those two games that uh, uh, he had, those two big games, they were against teams that ended up 5-11. and 11. The Giants' defense was atrocious last year. The Jaguars' defense was on and off, and apparently that game it was off. Um, I I don't see him doing that or anything similar to that, and I wouldn't uh, invest a uh, third-round pick in him. There's a couple of other guys in the just in the AFC South that I would take ahead of him. So I'm not I'm not confident that Derrick Henry is the guy. Yeah, he's another polarizing guy, too. I think you gotta, you got to make sure that you're, we're, we're evaluating the right things, and you make a lot of good points about how his two, 2018 season happened and, and why it was so big. Uh, so certainly be wary of that before you click select on Derrick Henry in drafts. Now, at the end of July, Brian, you're going to be in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge. Given that you do have a lot of experience in, in high-stakes best ball leagues, you feel like that, that gives you an advantage over maybe some of the other FFPC Joes and, and for sure a lot of the uh, pros that uh, aren't familiar, necessarily all that familiar with the format. How much of an advantage are you going to have? Eric, let me, let me explain this one way. And I don't, I'm not saying this because you are FFPC. I'm just saying it because it's a fact. This is the FFPC. 
you learn right away that the competition here is a whole lot stiffer than it is if you're participating in a local draft in, in your buddy's uh, man cave. This is not that type of draft. None of these uh, uh, drafts that the FFPC runs uh, is that type of draft. These guys know football. Um, I know that the Joes did well last year. I, I think they, you know, won something like I, they won the majority of the uh, uh, of the leagues against the uh, pros. But that's going to be hard to uh, repeat. These guys, these pros, are pros for a reason. That's what they do. They know football. I'm not saying you should discount the Joes in any way. As I said, they did very well last year. In my experience, in most of the drafts and in most of the leagues that I've been in, is that these guys know football. I'm gonna, let me tell you a story. This happened to us a couple of years ago. Um, David, during uh, uh, the preseason, came up with a guy, and he was all excited. He said, I just saw this guy. He is great. His name's Storm Johnson. He's a seventh-round rookie picked up by Jacksonville. Keep his name in mind. We're going to pick him up on the waiver wire middle of the season. He should be ready to go. Well, the time came. My son called and said, put $5 down. Nobody else knows about him. Nobody else has even talked about him. I put $5 down. He called me back on Wednesday night and said, you better up that. You know, we really need to get Storm Johnson because he's going to be something special. Well, I upped it to $25. The results came in. Somebody bid $200 for the guy. I checked around the other leagues, maybe 10, 12 other leagues. Every other league we would have lost out on getting this guy, Storm Johnson. Now, here's a guy that nobody talked about in the preseason, in the regular season. I didn't see his name in uh, uh, articles. I, nobody talked about him. And here, all of a sudden, everybody knew who he was. And th this is what the FFPC is. It's guys that know football. If you, if you think you have an advantage, the, you're wrong. Nobody has an advantage. Everybody is ready to go. They know, their, uh, they know the draft. They know who to take, and they're ready. The, o the only thing that you can do to try to uh, get some sort of small advantage is to uh, out or try to out-prepare the opposition. But remember, you're talking about uh, pros versus Joes is the best ball format, and you you can't get any mid-season replacements. You're you're stuck with whatever you you've taken, and if you draft David Johnson in the first round with the first pick, and he goes down for the season before halftime of the first game. You're out. 
If you draft uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and you're uh, cruising along and all of a sudden he's got some uh, legal issues and he's out of the league for the last five games of the that you can't replace that. And then, and then of course, there's always uh, Andrew uh, Luck and his situation a couple years ago. Everybody in preseason was reporting, okay, he'll be ready week one. Okay, he'll be ready week two. Week one comes along, well, maybe it'll be week four. Week four comes along, maybe it'll be week six or eight. And you've got Andrew Luck and... He doesn't play all year. So luck is a big factor. You can prepare, but preparation only goes so far. You need luck, too. Talking with Brian Petrunik, uh, uh, a uh, guy who's going to be drafting in the pros, Joe's coming up the end of the month, already has a couple of main event league titles under his belt. A question from the chat room from Stone Cold Beast. Uh, he wants to know who you prefer this year, Brian. Is it between uh, Royce Freeman and, and Rashad Penny? Uh, if you're drafting one of those guys this year, uh, if you have to pick one of them, which is the guy that you'd rather go with between Freeman and Penny? I'm going to go with Penny. Um, I like Royce Freeman a lot. And I, I suspect that uh, he's a guy that, I would like to pick up towards the end of the draft. Um, I'm, I'm just not sold on him early. Uh, Philip Lindsay is still probably going to be the guy. Devontae Booker is still there. Um, I, I, I'm just not, I'm not sold that I would like to invest a, uh, a high pick on him. Uh, a mid to uh, even a middle round pick, I'm not sure. Uh, Rashad Penny, I know he's still got Chris Carson in front of him, uh, at least on the depth charts. Um, but I am more, I have more faith in him than I do in Royce Freeman at this time. And then uh, a follow-up question to that uh, in the chat room, uh, Brian. Red Blue Radio, of course, shout-out to Scott Atkins and, and uh, the Red versus Blue podcast, which used to be the lead-in uh, when the HSFFOR went on the air for the first time eight years ago. Uh, he wants to know, if you like Penny, then if he, he was to ask a follow-up, do you like Royce Freeman uh, or Ronald Jones better? Which one, which between those two guys, Royce Freeman and Ronald Jones, which one are you drafting first? Wow. Um, that's, that's a good question. That's really a, that's a tough one. Uh, Ronald Jones didn't show me much last year. Uh, and I'm not sure how much he's going to, he can do this year. Uh, he's still behind Peyton Barber, um, but Ronald Jones, uh, I mean, he, I, think he's, I think he's an athlete, and I think he's a running back, and I think he, he has less in front of him. Peyton Barber is a good, steady guy. He's, he's just one of those middle-of-the-road guys that does a, an average job, and that's all he'll ever do. 
so he, Ronald Jones, I think, has a better chance. I'm not really sold on Tampa Bay this year, though. Uh, but if I if I was to gamble on the one of the two, I would go with Ronald Jones. I again, by the way, I do like Royce Freeman, and I I like all three of them. Just not as uh, my number one or my number two running back. Yeah, Freeman going at the 804 in FFPC best balls. Uh, Ronald Jones going at the 810 right now. I mean, those are, I mean, they're, they're as far as running backs go, they are going back to back in drafts right now. So that is where Brian stands on that. I, I want to move into the fantasy flash, and I want to thank football guys Roto World and Rob for tonight's rundown as we bring you the latest news from around the NFL. Uh, the Athletics' Jeff Howe actually spoke with the NFL regarding Josh Gordon, and that spokesperson said uh, to him that there is no update on his indefinite suspension. And in addition to that, Howe also reported that the league wouldn't or couldn't tell him if there was even a timeline uh, for reviewing the suspension. Gordon, as you know, was, uh, was working out with uh, Tom Brady uh, earlier in this week, and you would think if that is the case, uh, the Patriots probably believe that Gordon is going to play this year Ian Rappaport uh, from the NFL Network uh, actually tweeted out earlier in February that there is a, quote, chance Josh Gordon could be cleared by uh, training camp. Right now, as it stands, as, as far as um, his ADP goes in, in drafts, Brian, he is going in the 23rd round of, of, of best ball draft, so he's basically free. I would imagine, based on this news, he moves up a little bit. Uh, are, what are your thoughts? I mean, is Josh Gordon going to play at some point this season, and, and, and is he fantasy relevant if he does? If, John, if Josh Gordon uh, uh, plays, he's fantasy relevant. He's, uh, he's another one of those guys that can be a game-breaker at any time. Uh, and there aren't a lot of those guys in the league. Uh, I, if I could pick him up in the 23rd round of a best ball, yeah, I would do it. If, uh, if you're talking about the main event, um, I, I may gamble on him, uh, say, in the 19th, 20th round. Uh, I would take a kicker first and a defense first and then worry about him. Uh until he's cleared, there's no guarantee that he's going to play. And that's happened in this league before. And I don't want to be the guy that says, okay, I'm going to take a chance that uh, uh, somebody's going to pick, up, pick him up and he'll play. Um, no, uh, he's not. Uh, I would not want to invest uh, a high well anything higher than uh, say a 19th or 20th round pick in the main event or uh, mid 20s in a best ball uh, it's it's just too much of a wasted pick at this time now if a month from now the NFL says Josh Gordon is cleared to play starting in week five um, then that everything changes. I can wait four weeks for him, and uh, he all of a sudden becomes uh, 
somebody that I would take in, uh, say, the 10th, 11th round. He is worth it. Moving on to uh, the Arizona Republic report this week that uh, about Cliff Kingsbury saying that he expects a, quote, really nice role for Chase Edmonds, the uh, second-year running back. Uh, the full quote, he's a really good player. I've been surprised at his ability as a pass catcher. I think watching him, you know, I knew what David could do out of the backfield, but watching him, there's a strong point uh, of his game as well. So he'll have a really nice role on the offense. So I guess the, the, uh, the moral of the story here is if you're taking David Johnson early, Brian, you should probably be looking at Chase Edmonds to uh, handcuff him later. Or are you not a believer in that strategy? What, how would you handle Chase Edmonds in draft, whether you draft David Johnson or not? If I, uh, if I don't draft David Johnson, I'm going to pick up Chase Edmonds. If I do draft Chase, uh, David Johnson, I'm still going to pick up uh, Chase Edmonds. Uh, he's, he's a guy that uh, is – one small injury away from being the lead back in what promises to be a, a, an explosive offense. Um, Kyle Murphy is uh, going to uh, change the whole culture there. Uh, the uh, new coach, new system, um, he's the guy that if he has a chance – He's going to be a star, at least I believe he would be. Uh, the whole scheme is going to be different from what it was last year, and because of that, somebody like Chase Edmonds becomes valuable uh, as a uh, uh, late mid-round pick uh, if he's still available that that late. Uh, uh, I, I would expect him to be going um, uh, earlier than the tenth round, but I'm not sure I'm willing to to invest that much. But I would be happy to have him, uh, say, ten, eleven, twelfth round. Chase Edmonds, I think, is uh, is offers too much value to uh, bypass. Yeah, Stone Cold uh, Beast in the in the chat room pointing out right now, Chase Edmonds is free at his ADP, and he is. I mean, he's going in the, that 19th, 20th round turn, so you can get him pretty late right now, and it makes a lot of sense. As you pointed out, Brian, uh, great, uh, great analysis. Whether you have David Johnson or not, there is value in Chase Edmonds, especially in a best ball draft, and I know I'd be picking him up late wherever I could. Brian Petrunik, this week's guest co-host on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hours 400th episode, a guy who's going to be drafting in the pros versus Joe's competition coming up at the end of July. Let's talk about Pittsburgh here because Mark Caboli from The Athletic actually wrote some uh, pretty good stuff about Dante Moncrief. He said, quote, he looks like a slam dunk number two receiver. He uh, says uh, further on the quote, he uh, believes that he looks like he's a 50 or 60 catch guy with five or six touchdowns. Ben Roethlisberger also talking up Dante Moncrief. Uh, as far as his work ethic and, and knowledge of the offense goes right now. You look at Dante Moncrief in, in FFPC best balls right now, Brian, and, and I can tell you that he is going at the 17.02. The highest he's gone is, is, is the 13th round. But, I mean, this is a guy, if he is indeed the number two receiver in Pittsburgh's offense, I can't imagine he's going to replace Antonio Brown. But there are a lot of targets there for him to soak up, and this guy certainly looks like a value right now. I... I, I w I'm going to wait. Um, 
I like Dante Moncrief, and I've always liked Dante Moncrief. He's a good ball player. Trouble is, he's behind Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, both of whom have played with Big Ben for a couple of years now and are talented wide receivers. He's He would come in at maybe the third wide receiver. And he's still got to beat, uh, I think, who is it, Eli Rogers. And that makes him the third wide receiver. Um, don't forget, they also have a tight end by the name of Vance McDonald, who I happen to think is uh, going to have a pretty good year also. And then they do hit running backs out of the backfield. I know Big Ben likes to uh, throw the ball around and share it with everybody. Um, I am not sold that Dante Moncrief is going to be the second wide receiver on the team. Uh, He may work himself into that position and certainly has the talent to be the second wide receiver, but he's, he's bucking a system that three guys already know fairly well, and he's got to try to fit into that. And that makes it tough. For me, in June, that makes it tough. Um, Come August, things can change. And I I don't mean to be wishy-washy on it. I'm I'm saying, I'll come right out and say it, you know, I would not – plan on Dante Moncrief being the number two wide receiver at Pittsburgh. I think he can be, but that is not a guarantee. And I would want to wait to see how things shake out in training camp and in the preseason before I committed to anything like planning on taking him as the number two in Pittsburgh. Let's uh, keep talking about the, the Steelers here because we talked about James Conner uh, saying last week that um, he thinks that the workload could be split between him and Benny Snell and, and Jalen Samuels. Mark Caboli, who actually wrote that article about Dante Moncrief, says he thinks that it is lip service more than anything else. That's the quote from his article. Um, Caboli thinks that that probably is Pittsburgh's ideal plan, but he also expects that when the offense, uh, you know, gets in the flow and the season actually starts and, and the games count, he thinks Connor is going to be that workhorse, uh, workhorse again. Stone Cold Beast, in, in the, one of the drafts that he's in tonight, Connor actually went sixth overall ahead of Travis Kelsey, uh, right behind David Johnson. So there's certainly some Connor believers out there. Um, Jalen Samuels can catch passes. I mean, Benny Snell, uh, Benny Snell, I don't know how much he's going to catch this year, but he was a fourth-round pick, so I'm certain that they want to get him involved in some respect. But you look at James Conner, uh, Brian, and, and his ADP right now in, in FFPC best ball drafts over the last two weeks, he's still going at the uh, end of, excuse me, the, um, the beginning of the second round. The 203 is where he is going. Does that feel right to you? Is, I mean, if you had that pick, in the early second round, would you feel comfortable soaking it into James Conner? Yes. James Conner showed so much last year. Remember, everybody said, uh, oh, Pittsburgh is dead. Uh, Le'Veon Bell isn't going to be here, and what are we going to do? And oh, oh, oh. And James Conner came in and showed that it wasn't Le'Veon Bell. It was the system. And all it takes is a good 
running well a really good running back to fill the role and he's that guy he uh, uh is willing to uh put his body on the line and that's somebody you want in that position and i am confident in james connor um i'm mindful of the fact that uh, he ended up the season not so healthy and that he hasn't totally recovered, but uh, third pick in the second round, <laughs> that's almost like stealing again. Uh, he's hes that good, and Pittsburgh's O-line is, uh, always seems to make the space for the running back to get through. And when it was Le'Veon Bell, of course he was great at it, uh, when it was, became James Conner's turn, he was very good at it also. I I have confidence in, in James Conner. I want to answer a couple, at least a couple of emails here before we sign off. we got about 12 minutes left in the show. The first one I'm going to get to tonight for you, Brian, is from uh, Phil in Arlington, Texas. He writes, what's up, guys? I saw a report today that Dante Pettis, is going to be the new number one in San Francisco. What round would you guys be comfortable taking him in? Thanks, Brian and Balky. That is Phil in Arlington, Texas. And Brian uh, Dante Pettis is uh, currently going at the 803 in drafts. Now, he has gone as high as the 607 over the last two weeks, and I'm imagining that that pick uh, was, was made after this news came out from the this, from this beat reporter saying that, uh, Pettis is probably going to be the number one receiver this year. I don't know if you, you initially believed that from the get-go. Maybe, maybe you are a believer in Pettis, but if he's the number one receiver catching passes from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, certainly a guy that is going to make some sense for a lot of fantasy teams uh, come uh, uh, the main event time. Eric, you're doing this to me. You're asking a Rams fan to say something good <laughs> about a 49er? Okay. I'm pu- I'm putting you in that spot. <laughs> okay. Um, Dante Pettis was my number one for the team before I before I, before whatever it was that you read uh, came out. Uh, I I think he is the number one. I think that I before I took him as high as the sixth round there better be maybe 20 or 30, well, let's say 30 or 35 other wide receivers gone. I'm not so, I'm not as convinced that the 49er offense is going to go through uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's right arm. It's going to go through the ground game. And when Garoppolo has to uh, go to the air, a lot of those uh, uh, targets are going to go to George Kittle. Um, I don't see a wide receiver on the 49ers being, uh, say, uh, a top 30. I would take him in the eighth round. I think that's a good place for him to go. Uh, In the sixth round, that seems like you're – skipping over a lot of guys that have perhaps a better situation in front of them. And 
I mean, I don't know who went after him, after him in the sixth and seventh rounds, but uh, I'm thinking that there's got to be a few other players out there that I would rather have than Dante Pettis. If he falls to the eighth round or lower, then, then certainly he's on the, on the radar and he's somebody I want. Uh, next email is from George in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Dear Deuce and Brian, I guess I'm Deuce. Do you view Miles Sanders as a sleeper as he continues to slip in drafts, or is he a running back you're going to stay away from until you see something positive on the field? Thank you for the email, George in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Um, Miles Sanders, uh, as, as we know, has is, is been battling a hamstring issue, missed um, uh, minicamp, and uh, has fallen a little bit behind. Uh, in the offense right now as he uh, moves on from Penn State to the Eagles uh, as uh, their um, potentially new stud running back. I mean, they, they have a lot of guys there. Uh, and I know Miles Sanders, uh, they expect big things on him, but he's got to get on the field. Miles Sanders currently going at the 701 on average in FFPC best balls. And if he is indeed the starting running back for the Eagles and he is going to get the lion's share of the touches, uh, the 701 is a great, great uh, spot for him uh, to, to enter onto your fantasy team. But, Brian, and, you know, there are other guys there, and he's got to get healthy. How do you view Miles Sanders this season? For the pros versus Joes, he's not on my uh, charts. For the main event in uh, uh, September, he probably will be. But I have to see him play. As you say, he's done nothing this year so far. And somebody who's done nothing is not, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence. I mean, they've got Jordan Howard, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement. They've got uh, Josh Adams, who was outstanding towards the end of the season. Donald Pumphrey, uh, they've got lots. I mean, as I recall, I think there's two or three more other guys uh, that are potential starting running backs. Now, I know you don't uh, uh, invest in a uh, your draft in, in somebody and, and then not play him, but until he's healthy and can show that he can carry uh, the load of a workhorse, it's it, for me. It's hard to hard to pick them up. Um, I like the Eagles. I think they have a great team this year. I think that uh, uh, Carson Wentz coming back is, if he's fully healthy all season, they're gonna, they're a force to deal with, and that's that's good news for somebody like Miles Sanders. Until he gets on yeah, the no. field, that's the part that's hard to right now it would be hard for me to take him be because I'm not sure he's going to be able to to play and to play effectively until say maybe fourth fifth week of the season maybe middle of the season until he's able to get on the field and show that he can play um I'm a little skeptical and a little tentative on on my decision to pick him. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of FFPC drafters are, are with you on that. It's, it's, you know, it'd be different if he was a proven player at the NFL level already and he was just dealing with something in the offseason. But we haven't seen him at this level, and we do, uh, you know, we like to have somebody pass the eye test before we're sinking a fourth, fifth, or even sixth-round pick into him, no question. Let's get to one more email for you, Brian, before we sign off for the evening. Craig in Boynton Beach, Florida. I know you guys are big fans of Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. I'm sure he's referring to me and Dave. But our FFPC players forgetting about Curtis Samuel. I've been getting him pretty consistently later in drafts so far. Am I overvaluing him? Thank you for the email, Craig in Boynton Beach. Currently, Curtis Samuel in FFPC best ball drafts going at the 10.08. So he is consistently going in that 10th round as high as the 7.01. Wow, Sony really liked him there. But Curtis Samuel in the 10th round, is that a player you want to get in business with at that price, Brian? At that price, absolutely. Um, I, my, my only concern with uh, the Panthers' offense this year is Cam Newton. If it all it all goes through him, uh, if his arm is good, then I'm I'm all on board with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, um, and of of course Christian McCaffrey. Uh, all of them are going to do wonderful things if Cam Newton is totally healthy. And if he's not, and, and people have suggested that maybe he's reached that point in his career where he's starting to slide. Well, if he had started to slide in the first year of his, uh, in the league, he wouldn't have been hit so much, and he could slide and avoid the contact, and he'd be healthy right now. Well, because he didn't, He's sliding, in my opinion. Uh, I, I have a tough time with him. Um, I like to think that he can make the comeback, that he can recover uh, uh, and adapt to a new throwing motion. Um, and if he does, wow, I think Curtis Samuel in the 10th round is a steal. Yeah, that Carolina offense, watch out for it this year. It could do damage, and we'll be watching out for Brian Brian Petrunik as he uh, hopes to do some damage in the 2019 FFPC Pros vs. Joe's Challenge, which you can hear right on these airwaves coming up at the end of July. Uh, we would, uh, we'll look forward to, to, to seeing you draft that. And good luck in the FFPC main event, uh, Brian, uh, this year. I know you've had some success in it before. We'll see if you can, uh, it can really do some damage and move up that overall leaderboard for that half-million-dollar grand prize. Thank you so much uh, for co-hosting with me this evening. This has been a pleasure. I learned a lot. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I will see you out at Planet Hollywood this September in Las Vegas. You sure will, and thank you very much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. I was nervous coming on, and I'm probably still nervous thinking about it, but I'll tell you what, (laughs) it was a lot of fun talking fantasy football. Thank you very much. Uh, You did great, Brian. Thanks so much. Be good. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Okay. Bye-bye. See you in Planet Hollywood. You got it, Brian Petrunik. The uh, uh, drafting in the FFPC Pros vs. Joe's coming up in July. A former uh, FFPC main event uh, league champion. I know last year he had a really good team. He and his uh, son David had a really good team. Kind of fell apart 
uh, in the championship round. They had to deal with a lot of injuries, uh, which I think you alluded to earlier. So I will say that uh, they will be a force to be reckoned with in pros versus Joes as well. I want to thank him for co-hosting that. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, uh, each and every one of you. 400 episodes. Wow, uh, that's awesome. Uh, I will be back for episode 401 next Friday at uh, 10-9 Central. Next week's guest is going to be a three-time Football Guys Players Championship league winner. It is going to be Noah Riddell. He is going to be co-hosting with me next week since Dave uh, is actually off again next week. So it will be me and uh, Noah hosting the show. Check out the Maiden Dynasties and the 2019 uh, Best Ball Leagues over at MyFFPC.com. Only nine days left for that F, uh, Football Guys Players Championship early bird. Make sure you're getting in on that. You get that free uh, FFPC credit, and you'll get that up to three times. Want to join three Football Guys Leagues? Get that credit three times. Join the Midnight Traps. I'm commissioning it. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team explore, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Will other rappers find a studio to grind in? I should uh, make special mention. I mean, this was episode 400. This is uh, season eight of this show. I never really thought it would last this long, um, especially uh, with, with, with uh, some of the issues that we've had over the years. So I want to thank all the listeners that are either listening live, hanging out in the chat room, downloading this later, streaming it from uh, you know whatever podcasting service you're, you're fans of. Thanks so much for supporting us. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for downloading. Uh, we'll keep this show going as long as uh, you guys are still enjoying it, and uh, hopefully it will continue for many years to come. So 400 episodes in the book. Here's to the next 400. Enjoy your weekend, uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. Again, can't thank you guys enough. Uh, really appreciate all the support. Uh, for the HSFFR and, of course, the FFPC as well. I will talk to you again next week.